Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for December 29th, 2019. Uh, but perhaps when you're listening to this, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we will probably, uh, we're, we're going to skip the, the, the readings for, uh, we, we, we expect everyone to be there. Let's just say that. Or be and somewhere. Or be somewhere. Uh, probably somewhere, somewhere more entertaining than us would be preferable. Right. But uh, 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 the the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, you know that verse. Uh, we, you know, we're we're not going to uh, we're not going to go into that one. We're gonna we're we're still gonna stick with the lectionary for Sunday because uh, spoiler alert, uh, Jesus is born. Well, and I have to admit, <laughs> I haven't looked, but we may have done it last year. Lies. Just. <laughs> Lies. I, I no don't way. Know, I don't know if we did or not, but your trivia for the day is that the Christmas readings don't change year to year. It's always yeah. the reading from Luke with the shepherds and the no room at the inn and that sort of thing. Hmm. So if we did it last year, you can listen to that one. Yeah. And certainly, at the very least, as I always say, Read it. It's right. really cool. It, it, it is. It is. It is cool. Uh, there, there are parts that uh, oftentimes, as you as you, we go through it, you're like, oh yeah, that part. Yeah. You know. Uh, but I remember uh, Linus saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where is Linus in this moment? As you're scrolling through, yeah. like nowhere in here. Right? And the gospel we're talking about today actually is one of the assigned gospels for Christmas. So someone may have heard this on Christmas Day, and it's also read the Sunday after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, if you're also one of the listeners that like uh, follows along on the regular lectionary website that we that, that we kind mm-hmm. of uh, follow along, don't do that this week. <laughs> Doesn't uh, work. For whatever reason, it is way different uh, mm-hmm. than, than, uh, than the lessons appointed for use on the feast of first the first Sunday after Christmas on our uh, lectionarypage.net uh, Episcopal Church website. So um, uh, we do pull from several different sources, mm-hmm. and in this case, they do not agree. <laughs> one is not wrong and one is not right. Hard it to believe just, Christians not agreeing, not, uh, <laughs> especially in it, this it, holy yes, season. Yes, like why? That has never happened before, <laughs> never, ever. ever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we are, we, are, uh, we are on a slightly different website with slightly different readings, and uh, we're not doing the the Christmas story, but you know, like I said, uh, just in it's case you were curious, uh, Jesus was born, and uh, and uh, and yeah, that that is that is the reason for the season, as mm-hmm. they say. Um, so, with all that on the uh, out out of the way, I'm going to pick today's stump the priest word with a word that I think everybody will be like, oh yeah, that word. But then, if you try to define exactly what it would mean within uh, a religious context. I think it might be a little difficult. And huh. that word is rationalism. Oh. Yeah, that that your introduction was very right on. Um so within church circles, I believe that it uh, I believe, being the keyword rather than I know, that, that was that's a theological movement of not basically, basically not believing anything that is illogical to the human mind. Uh huh. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty close. There's there's a couple of uh, little nuggets of information mm-hmm. in this one, which is the one of the re- other reasons why I picked it because I kind of like it. Uh, in Christian theology, rationalism. Here's your first nugget from the Latin ratio, which I didn't realize that that was. Uh, 
Yeah, me uh, neither. N- necessarily, I, you know, rational yeah. and, and it didn't and ratio it would not have put those two words together. Uh, but ratio in Latin means reason. Uh, indicates a mode of thought in which human reason is the ultimate authority in establishing religious truth. In normative uh, Anglican theology, reason is treated as one of three related sources of authority, along with scripture and tradition. In Anglican theology, reason allows itself to be corrected by scripture and tradition as it interprets them. In rationalistic theology, on the other hand, reason is not corrected by anything else. Right. So, um, so like I said, several little nuggets in that yeah. in, in that uh, definition, uh, talking about uh, Anglican theology uh, as well, uh, where reason is a is part of a triad or a trifecta. The um, ancient, not ancient, but the hundreds year old ancient to me. <laughs> yes, I, uh, the three legged stool of yeah. scripture, tradition, mm-hmm. and reason, first um, written down within the Anglican tradition by uh, Richard Hooker, who's okay. one of our foundational theologians. Very good. But yeah, it, it, uh, I like that imagery of, of the three-legged stool. Yeah. Uh, 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 anybody who uh, who studies, um, I guess that would be what, mathematics and geometry kind of a combination or kind of a deal? IKEA assembly right. finance. Knows that if you have a, a tripod of some sort, uh, that you can shorten one leg or another at, at different distances, but and it will still sit for the most right. part. It won't wobble. Uh, it won't be if you put a seat on top, it won't be level, mm-hmm. uh, but it will uh, not fall over. It. Yeah. So it can kind of a little bit more reason mm-hmm. than, than scripture, or a lot, a lot more scripture than than reason would would still stand. Right. Uh, so I like that. I like that imagery. So. Uh, Anyways, there's your word of the day. Kind of, not so much like a set of stumping situation, but more of a kind of a, eh, here's, a here's a here's a good and yeah. interesting uh, 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 definition to run down the rabbit hole with. Yes. <clears throat> so um, with that, we will move into our first reading, and our first reading is from Isaiah 61, verses 10, all the way to the end of 61, and into 62, verse 3. And that reads, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So this is the tail end. I shouldn't say tail end, but it, it is the tail third of Isaiah. Yes. Right. So we're into the third mm-hmm. writer of Isaiah. Yeah. Um, so as I wanted to ask about specifically, because it says it in the same sentence, for Zion's sake, and then for Jerusalem's sake, and I think we've we've touched on this before, 
but can you um, kind of uh, uh, rehash the difference between Zion and Jerusalem and why those two are separate? Well, yeah, Jerusalem is basically the capital of Zion. Mm-hmm. So and Zion being, being is, Israel. Okay. Yeah. So Zion is the bigger whole, mm-hmm. and Jerusalem is the uh, capital of yeah, uh, yeah. It's the it's the seat of the king, and more importantly, it's the uh, traditional home of the temple. Would this, even though the temple keeps getting destroyed, right? Uh, would this have also been uh, it, uh, just to be clear? Well, I guess it starts with the the larger picture. I was going to ask if it was a if it was it, trying to make sure that it was more inclusive. Like I'm not just I'm not just doing this for the capital and the king, but I, you know, I say this also for all of us, and we are all well, together. Maybe, maybe it's also though a poetic, and this is a poem. Mm-hmm. It's also a very common poetic construction to repeat a thought or an image or have a synonym. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, Zion and Jerusalem, I think here, are playing off each other as essentially referring to the same meaning. Right. As would be very, very common in Hebrew poetry. Um, it, you see that a lot in the Psalms, for instance. Right. Okay, okay. Um, and then it, it goes on and talks about her. Who is the her until her vindication shines out and her salvation like a burning torch? Who's the her at this point? Um, Who is she? Are we still talking about the Jewish people? Okay. And, yeah, and... The various symbols of that: Israel, Jerusalem, Zion. Any any particular reason why that has a female form to it, or is that just our more modern interpretation? Or no, it's not. It, it, I believe that is the Hebrew um, literal translation, and it, it's one of those dynamics where, unfortunately, Hebrew did die for quite a while as a language, mm-hmm. and so how. It used masculine, feminine, and neuter uh, pronouns and all. We can't be really sure because the really the the, the longest Hebrew text we have is the Bible, mm-hmm. um, the, the mm-hmm. Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures of the Bible, and we don't have the huge body of literature that we have, say, for ancient Greek and Latin and even um, some of the other ancient languages. So mm-hmm. it's. It's harder to figure out what were the grammatical um, rules for Hebrew and around gender and things like that. Right. Um, this um, this passage uh, is talking kind of about um, what well, it, it delves into vindication. Uh, uh, what would it be a vindication of? What or, or, or for? Just it's it's another one of these poems of the. Um, People from Israel who were taken into slavery by the Babylonians returning to the Holy Land, returning to Zion, Jerusalem, Israel. Uh, That was the original meaning. And then in the Gospel of Luke, Luke Luke uses this as a a job description for Jesus as the Christ. Hmm. So, um, So it's been a part of Christian theological scriptural basis for hundreds of years, almost 2,000 years. Gotcha. So, so, um, but in, in, in the original passage, this is talking about, um, uh, so 
all our being conquered, being scattered will eventually be proven uh, right. We'll be a diadem to a royal diadem to the world. Uh, we'll be will be recognized for um, for our righteousness and, and. Well, the big thing is that it's not so much the royal part. I mean, that's just the instrument right. of being a holy, just people in the midst of a region that's full of corrupt dictators. Mm. And gotcha. that instead, this will be uh, people who live ethically, who live faithfully, and are an example to the rest of the world as to how governments and justice systems and interpersonal relationships should happen. Yeah, being uh, being covered with the robe of righteousness is a very outward. Mm. I mean, a, a, strong a outward, uh, Yeah, a very outward sign. A very very uh, uh, obvious. Uh, um, Adornment, yeah, um, and it's so a reference to an image that is used in a couple places in the Hebrew scriptures of God wearing the armor of righteousness, mm -hmm. and so the people won't need armor anymore. So it can just be a robe, but they'll be harking back to Genesis in the image of God, mm. uh, not as not gods themselves. Right. But in the image of God, and they won't need armor. It can be something soft that's righteous. Hmm. That's righteousness. It's not the cloak of invisibility. It's, uh, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the cloak of visibility. Over visibility. <laughs> of being the shining light. Superior visibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so of, look at us. Look at us. <laughs> We're good. I, I guess it should. It, it, it's worth then uh, talking about. Uh, you know, um, we do often even still to this day, play with, like, how visible should we be? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, because in certain parts of Scripture, it's talking about, it's it's kind of chastising those who are overly visible mm -hmm. uh, and, and and creating a display of their of their faith. Piety, yeah. And, and so uh, it, it, it just, it, there probably isn't an answer for this. It probably oh, just sure. does. <laughs> I was going to say, it probably just does show that there are differing views on how, uh, differing, differing opinions on how um, how visible uh, your your faith can, can or should be. Well, the, I think the the teaching that comes out repeatedly through the scriptures is don't be a hypocrite. Mm, okay, and that that's something that gets condemned over and over by prophets and Paul and Jesus of people who portray themselves as being very pious but are actually just in it for the ego trip or the, mm -hmm. the praise of their friends and neighbors instead of actually doing it out of a love for God and a love for neighbor. Right. So that, that's one I'm willing to say, yeah, that you know, this, it's not all opinions are equal on this one. Hypocrisy sure. is a huge no-no. Yeah. And unfortunately, Christianity repeatedly practices hypocrisy on an individual and corporate level. And I think uh, I, I think uh, one thing I, I could add to that is uh, it's it's a uh, in a way it's not necessarily Christianity. It's just, oh right, it's right. just humanity. Any, yeah, humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and no matter what, we're all our functions are bathed in that pool. Human freedom. Uh, yeah. Uh, no matter what, uh, it's um, very true. Uh, so sadly, hypocrisy it's, comes hand in hand with <laughs> existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. just since, since I'm a, a creature of the church, that's what I claim responsibility for. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I got you there. Um, anything else? Um, anything else about this imagery that would have been um, uh, unique or, or, or would be colored by uh, uh, time as far as like, you know, the, mm -hmm. the people who would have read this like, oh, that imagery, I like that. Because as you pointed out, like the 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 robe of righteousness starts to get into the kind of like the armor of God kind yeah. of a, kind of a concept. So that might've been. And yet it's an image. interesting twist on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not. Um, and you will conquer. And, yeah. Or you will defend it. It's more of a, and, and people will be able to see you from miles away. It'll be that shiny. Well, city and, on a hill and, and God keeps the armor. Yeah. So God remains active in the, in the quest for justice and righteousness. I mean, um, almost partnership with the human race. Mm -hmm. um, the, the only thing I'll, I'll point out specifically is um, this is the passage that is in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus pulls out the scroll in the synagogue and reads a portion of this and says this has been... Today this has been fulfilled, fulfilled in your... Yeah. 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 So, his, the, what I always like to call his mic drop uh, sermon. Right. <laughs> All right, Luke 4, uh, <laughs> enjoy. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I noticed, like, kind of here in the middle, it it, it, it invokes, like I said, uh, several different types of imagery that we've heard before. Oh, the, yeah, the, the, covenants. The, the robe, uh, you know, the the adornment of, of, of jewels or robes or, or, or it, like I said, the, the armor of God. It also uh, invokes uh, the image of, uh, uh, plant life, which mm -hmm. oftentimes was uh, uh, almost synonymous with um, legacy and yeah. and God's uh, provision, right? Yeah, so uh, uh, um, family lineage and, and and all of that as well. So it's just kind of really well steeped in that poetic, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know what you call that verbiage. I was sure. going to say imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's go to Galatians uh, uh -huh. and continuing the uh, tradition here uh, on this podcast of uh, starting in one chapter and moving into another. But as we've pointed out before, it's not like that was ever a thing when it was written. Right. So, so the uh, chapter we're the ones who put them in, in the chapters. Um, but Galatians chapter three, verse twenty five or twenty three and uh, through twenty five, and then we jump and go into four uh, verses four through seven. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Um, Galatians, let's talk about, uh, so, so written to Galatia? Galatia. Yeah, Galatia. Uh, is this a Pauline letter? Mm -hmm. is this a, okay, very good. Um, and written right around the time when most of the Pauline letters were. Had to be. Yeah. Uh, probably a prison Pauline letter. Um, Do we know? Yes. Okay. Um, the, um, no, I'm sorry. No, we don't. <laughs> yes. And by yes, I, I mean, mean no. no. <laughs> 
It's one of those things I was talking rather than thinking. Well, it, it's also one of those things I like. Um, I very much like about our podcast, which is uh, you don't know what I'm going to ask. Right. So <laughs> it could be all over the map, and often is. But it's um, what I was going to say that is accurate is that some scholars think this is the very first Pauline letter. Oh, very first one he wrote. Interesting. Okay. Some say it might be a little later, but it's it's one of his earlier ones yes. that we feel confident in. So we get that so. snapshot into the formation of his theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some call it his most bitter Ooh. letter. Uh, a bitter Paul. Yeah, it's almost like, I gotta write something. These guys are getting so off track. Uh, okay. That it, it may be that's what spurned him to this ministry that preserved his message mm-hmm. because he started to write it down. Yeah. You know, he, he was learning how quickly... Uh, people he had been close to, preached with, taught, served with, get off track as soon as he leaves. Mm. And, yeah. Um, and that made him really bitter about some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so in this passage, faith is synonymous with uh, the, the, the Christ story, right? Yeah. Now, that, now before this came, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law. That is, I, I see where you're coming from with some of the bitter language. Yeah. Uh, because the law being Jewish law, right? This is, or, or is it like, what yes, is? Yes, but not the, not even how modern Judaism identifies, say, the, the verses in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's a much more, in Paul's time, a much more general term for the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. okay. So it's it's more like, you know, we had the Bible to guide us, uh-huh. um, and but then something new happened, and that was the Christ right. coming. Yeah, it, it does, it does it, you know, guarded under the law. That, that sounds nice. Imprisoned <laughs> and guarded under the law. Does kind of like, oh, okay, so you're definitely of the opinion that our strict adherence to this stifles us or, or you know, stumps stumps our growth. Yeah, stunts our growth is the better way to put it. Yeah, I said stumps. That's not the right word in terms, Stunt. but yeah, stunts our growth. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ, and like I said, kind of like synonymous with faith. Yeah, um, here. and let me just jump in. The disciplinarian, um, no reason for anyone to know this, is actually a nanny. Oh. That the, the, this is a literal translation from the Greek, so uh-huh. that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But the context in which the term was used in Greek was for a nanny for small children. Hmm. And not, ne- and not necessarily a mean one. Gotcha. So, but uh, th- I guess that would invoke, again, some bitterness in, in the language use of like, because you're children. Yes. <laughs> you're babies. <laughs> Bunch of babies. Exactly. Yeah. So. The law was your little binky and rattle. <laughs> and now you and need now it Christ again. And now Christ is here and you need to act like grownups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time, time to start adulting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a much richer interpretation to know, to know that's the is context a nun of that a religious term. nanny? Is that a... <laughs> no? All right, just curious. <laughs> that's to avoid a beating by the man. <laughs> I know. Right. Just waiting outside for you. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so, and then we, and then we jump a little bit, um, uh, the fullness of time is like, it feels like that's perhaps a, a poorly translated, uh, um, section. Uh, Is that meaning, um, the, the, the time when all of this would be fulfilled? Like, I kind of feel like that's what it's trying to say, but I'm not sure when the fullness of time had come, like. Strictly speaking, that invokes kind of imagery of like the end, like the 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 the, the fullness it, of time, meaning like the these are your bookends where it started, right. and now we're we're ending. And that's or is that is is he still big, currently in the position of like and it, we're we're in the last our last moments? Like is he currently? That's a very common perspective for Paul to write from. Uh-huh. So it's quite possible that yes, he really was thinking. We're approaching the period of the sentence. Uh-huh. Um, the, the bookend is within sight. Um, but really, the the bigger context of this paragraph is in the verses preceding it, he's insulting them more about being children. Okay. And so it's more like when it was time for us to grow up. Mm, okay. And when it was time for the world to end. Gotcha. Um, it- God sent a son, born of a woman, born under the law. I assume that 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 is a comment on uh, um, Christ being born to a faithful family, and that, himself being faithful, and, and he, yep. he remaining faithful. Okay, um, in order to read, but here here's something that it doesn't quite ring true for from a Pauline point of view because he was very inclusive, like mm-hmm. trying to blow those doors open and. Uh, uh, he says, in order to redeem those who are under the law. So that would have been just the Jewish people, right? Yeah. I and mean, that would not include Gentiles. Yeah. And part of it is we're reading such a short part of this extremely mm. dense letter. Okay. Right. This is the, but so, so what you're saying is this is the section that is specifically talking to them. And he maybe then, you know, pivots or shifts. And another point in his letter. Yeah, yeah. and Because he was always very, that, that was like one of his main bets was like, this isn't just for you, this is for right. your Gentile neighbor. Right. And yeah, later on um, in chapter 5, he warns against getting yourself circumcised, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the major fights in early Christianity is, were the men supposed to get circumcised to be Jewish and then convert to Christianity to, to really oversimplify how the process would have been seen mm-hmm. um, since Judaism and Christianity were not distinct from each other at all at this point. But yeah, so it's it's taking this snapshot of how Paul saw Jesus' ministry that first, and it's accurate, first it was with the people of Israel, mm-hmm. and then it expanded outward from there. Right. I had to start somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah. And, okay. And then what... Um, I, I've I, I've heard this last verse before, uh, and, and again, right before that, uh, another another uh, uh, implication of uh, he flat out says it because you are children, mm-hmm. little babies, uh, but uh, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. Uh, it, were, is there a verse prior to that that invokes slave slavery, or is it going all the way back to being imprisoned and guard, guarded under the law? You were slaves to you were slaves to the law. Oh, it it more Paul's more concerned about people who become enslaved to the world around them. 
mm, okay. than to the law. Um, that, yeah, they, to put in, in contemporary imagery, you're on the career track. You want to get the big promotion. You want to mm, get rich. Mm -hmm, you want to mm -hmm. get famous. That's more the type of dilemma and challenge that Paul's talking about. Okay. Um, so he's no, and, he's no longer chastising the, uh, the, 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 the being, being imprisoned and guarded by the religious texts of... Well, he is somewhat. Okay. But we as Christians tend to let ourselves off the hook by saying, oh, this, this just applies to the Jews back then. Mm. Instead of saying, whoa, yes, we're all susceptible to allowing our... To, putting ourselves into the slavery to money, to fame, mm, to gotcha. pleasure, to soft life, right. da, 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 da. I did always like, like I said, I always, I've always liked the way that this, uh, this verse ends. Uh, you're, you're no longer a slave, but a child. And if you are a child of God, then that also means that you're an heir. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you are here to inherit um, all that God has to offer. And that's pretty weighty. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a... Yeah, that's that's not only comforting but also uh, compelling in that you you there there are expectations that come along with being an heir of yeah God. huge responsibilities yeah you, you're supposed to keep this enterprise going right yeah you know, it, it, yeah if you is... picture the fam inheriting the family farm mm -hmm. you, it's your job to continue the success of that farm keep sowing that seed yeah and yeah. so that yeah that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians now very good. Well, let's go over to John. Ready? John 1, verse 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh, and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Um, I'm struck as I read this how this mirrors Genesis. Good. Yeah. Um, and Very intentional. I, I, I figured as such, uh, you know, uh, the, as the Gospels, uh, John was one of the or was it they were no it was it was one of the earlier ones no it was <laughs> he he and Luke were the later ones and, yeah. Ma and Matthew and Mark were the earlier John ones. John was the last gospel of the four gospels written either way obviously the new testament was not 
put together. So uh, right. as a as a writer, as a literary, uh, um, I shouldn't say gimmick because that doesn't sound quite right, but his approach. style, yeah, his, his, his literary approach was to kind of mirror the beginning of the old uh, or the original yeah. uh, testament uh, of of their um, uh, Bible as it existed at the time, mm-hmm. and kind of right. draw back that imagery to and potentially the way I see it is that a lot of the style of the Old Testament was you know cyclical right so uh, this would have been very a very interesting style to me at least uh, that you know mm-hmm. we're starting again yep. and now this is and, and in a way uh, that makes him as a writer uh, uh, probably one of like my favorite ways that he, he really should be first uh, <laughs> because uh, it is it, to, to kick off a New Testament you know that, yeah. that would be a, that would be the way I would do it but mm-hmm. you know, no one asked me, and I wasn't born at the time, so whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of this, you know, in the beginning was the Word, mm-hmm. the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then uh, a lot of talk about light, and, you know, it, it kind of... Again, the imagery from Genesis right. of let yeah. there be light. It progresses uh, through, and um, obviously uh, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not John who's writing, but John the Baptist. Right. Um and 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 uh, kind of setting up uh, that story. I do find it interesting that John starts off his writing uh, just kind of laying out um, the it, like. It's kind of like a let me tell you a tale of a yeah uh, of, of what happened. Unlike some of the other gospels, where like they just they, they do just, the whole story. They, they just like, start. Yeah, they they you know. And, and it could he could have gone that way. There, there, there once mm-hmm. was a man for, sent from God whose name was John. And where the other writers go, John the Baptist was out here mm-hmm. and wore this Mark. and looked like this and talked about mm-hmm. this and said this. And like they go into very uh, narrative uh, story, and his is more yeah. kind of like a tale telling uh, yeah. style, which is kind of interesting. A kind of yeah. interesting thing to pick the up on. Technical term that that scholars use is that it's the prologue mm-hmm. for John. And the, that was a fancy word that I wasn't thinking of. And the way I sometimes think of it... I liked how he wrote good. <laughs> he used purdy words. And them words is purdy. I like it. Um, um, and he, he certainly has the most complex Greek and um, most complex uh, long narratives of incidents. But also, if this portion of chapter one... For Star Wars fans out there, this is the part that would be in the slanty letters. Oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. On the black screen that you read it to get caught up to the meaning of what you're about to see. Right. So this is, uh, yeah, so this is episode five. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's about right. Um, you know, yeah, oh, I get that's that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Good on you. And, 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 and thanks for speaking directly to me as a Star Wars fan. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, what, let me, let me see here. What else? Yeah, it just oh. threw you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. I was like, Star Wars. Like, oh, Got Shiny. Way sidetracked. Um, but, uh, so he, he was, when, when we continue on, so like, it's kind of broken up, uh, uh, by translation, uh, in, into like little, uh, paragraphs or sections, yeah. but, um, he talks about, the beginning. He talks about John. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when we go on to he was in the world and the world came into being through him. Yep. We're not talking about John anymore. Right. Right. We are talking about uh, 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 John uses the word light. Uh, he came as a witness to testify to the light. And light is kind of like our verbal imagery of Christ. God. Okay. More more general than just Christ. <clears throat> okay. So this is, is so, so early on, he's already uh, kind of weaving the imagery to say, like, this is human God form is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Like, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, very, very much not a prophet, very much not right. uh, um, uh, someone handpicked by God, like uh, Elijah or Elisha. Mm-hmm. This is, um, this is God incarnate in human form. Uh, right. So, so a physical Im- a light embodiment that is one and the same of yeah. our creator. And these, um, Verses are the basis for the Christian belief of Christ being pre preexistent to the birth in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. and that actually God in God's entirety, including Christ, did all did everything you read about God in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Christ was part of that. The Holy Spirit was part of that, even if they weren't called by name. Gotcha. And so here. John's the Gospel of John's very much referring to the Christ being part of creation, the right. act of creating. Um, and, and then, and yet, people keep forgetting that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, another cycle that continues on. Mm-hmm. Um, near the what was it? Would this be the tail quarter uh, <laughs> uh, section of the reading? And the Word became flesh and lived among us. The, mm-hmm. the Word, Word is capitalized right what uh what is why is that capitalized what is that uh, talking about it's talking about the christ okay that um it's not it's the term logos in greek which is the truth about god or the truth of god or Mm. God truthiness, or however you want it. I like truthiness. Yes, it, it's kind of an old term now in popular culture, but it's it's not. It doesn't refer to the Bible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't refer to a vocabulary word. It's instead pulling a term from Greek theology, as in all those gods and stuff the Greeks had, of the divine essence. Okay. So in the Gospel of John, whenever you see the term word, and even coming from Jesus' own mouth, it's referring to the essence of God rather than to the scriptures. Even Hmm. though many people um, over the last 150 years or so have mistakenly said, oh, that's Jesus referring to the Bible. Which is a ridiculous notion when you start to peel that. that well, that. not completely, because there was the Hebrew Scriptures. There was sure most of the Bible was. He, he could have been rever- referring to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but I feel as though the word, as translated in the la- or, or understood in the last hundred hundred and fifty years that you refer to, is primarily steeped in New Testament yeah. scriptures, and that well, part would be. Re- it's it wasn't written. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, but part of the fun of, um, cons- of 
um, I'll put I'll use, probably use a relatively unloaded word strict Christianity in the United States is a I'm thinking back to the earliest days pre American Revolution is a distrust of the Gospels mm. and a, a huge distrust of the Gospels because they were just way too compassionate a semi distrust of Paul and the only part of the Bible that was helpful these very strict Christians felt were the the most harsh prophets. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you had a lot of kids with what we would say Old Testament names. Gotcha. Uh, rather than being called John or Paul or Peter or Mary. Right. Um, and um, yeah, the, the, the whole dynamic of what part of the Bible you trust the most in some ways is... Um, part of this passage hmm. it is a very rich passage there's so much in it yeah no, I, I, I could definitely see that um so the uh, and so how it ends here the law indeed was given through moses so kind of referring to um the 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 ten commandments what was handed down to him what was what the you know the guidance that was was given directly from god uh, uh after uh they they made it out of egypt but grace and truth uh, came through Jesus Christ, which is which is kind of like a, um, again, it kind of in a way it kind of uh, feels like it belongs a little bit with uh, Paul's Galatians, uh, because it's talking about how you know that law it, it, it almost implies like law the law was strict and you know well, you're yeah. disciplinarian and now through Christ and now through uh, uh, through him. We have grace and truth, which is like coloring the law in in, in basically taking like a, a um, you know adding color to a black and white TV show. Like it, it, it's yeah. still there, but now you can see like in a totally different dimension of, of grace and truth. And to use that image, and you're making your own TV show too. Mm, okay, yeah, um, that it, it just widens tremendously the arena for God to be active in. In our through our own lives, yeah, through human lives, but the the other thing to keep in mind is at at this time and and is still true for within Judaism, the law does not refer to the Ten Commandments. Oh, okay, it refers to the first five books, the the, the Torah, the Torah, yeah, which is What's Hebrew for law. Why am I thinking of that? Well, that's another. That's the the the. No, you're right. That that's another term for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Think. Is it? Shoot. <laughs> it's Christmas season. My brain just did a complete flip-flop. <laughs> Where am I? But the major point stays the same, that there was everyone within Judaism at the time of Jesus agreed that those f- first five books yes. we all believe in. Penta, five. Yes. Oh, good. Pentateuch, five books. Greek, right? Five, scroll, five scrolls. Greek. Yeah, word. Greek. Yeah, see? Yep. And Torah is the Hebrew word. Right. That's why I went yes, bananas. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's why you should, you should have seen his head explode here. Yeah. That's that one of the downsides of, the, of it being a podcast. Yeah. Like, wait, wait. <laughs> Eyebrows are singed. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, <laughs> every all, everyone within Judaism could agree on the Pentateuch, the Torah, mm-hmm. the first five books, mm-hmm. and so that's one reason it's it's crucial to see it here mm. that. 
no matter which John sect of trying, Judaism yeah. you're talking about, mm-hmm. like I'm still I'm still talking. You know, this is for you. everyone. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and we're not going to. You know, it's, it's almost like the author of John saying we're not going to get into the arguments right, right, about right. the prophets and the writings, which right, are right, the right. other two sections, um, descriptions within the Hebrew scriptures. We're okay. We'll agree on the Torah, and he therefore also makes Jesus part of the Moses tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not in conflict; it's complementary. I just realized that that, that makes me that makes me question: Was it because uh, we've had we've talked about this before? Uh, how the way Matt is it Matthew, Matthew yeah. starts is is a is like trying to pick up <coughs> pick up where the one version of the Old Testament. Uh, like left off. It was, it was Matthew. Was that the, the way it was? There were, one of them had a style that was like, and you know, Matthew we're, we're picking right up that. from where we left off and, and, and trying to make it feel like it flew, flew, flowed into. Matthew is hugely into uh, Hebrew scripture fulfillment. Gotcha. Uh, so, we'll see it throughout this liturgical year. So unlike Matthew, John was, you know, John was kind of like, well, let's not get into that. Whereas Matthew was like, this is take, foundation. Take, taking these other books of the Bible uh, or uh, books of the Old Testament uh, as as gospel, as old as old gospel. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to pick up right where we left off, uh, yeah. uh, and and would have would have then been a little divisive as a result because it would have acknowledged books that uh, um, that and and picked up off of books that where some some portions of Judaism might not have. Necessarily agree that now, yeah, would not have seen as um, legitimate for mm. um, theological constructs that they believed they were the word of God, but they were there for examples rather than to come up with new theology. Got it. Got it. And How interesting to see the those different were gospels the, in the in the gospels. Those folks are identified as the Sadducees. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which yes, it, it, we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matthew was. Is it Matthew that was pretty is pretty harsh on the Sadducees? Yeah, yeah. He's a little grumpy and, about him. And Mark too. And Mark, it's so fascinating to see how different uh, mm-hmm. they they approach. Uh, and and it, John being steeped in in more, you know, uh, having a heavy hand in Greek culture, like it yeah. being being uh, um, kind of one of the uh, overriding factors of how he wrote and, and and his point of view. It's kind of interesting to see. And he seemed to have. Increasingly, scholars believe that he had an early version of the Gospel of Mark available to him, mm-hmm. and some are now saying even that he also had at least Matthew, if not Matthew and Luke. Huh? Uh, that there there seems to be a lot of cross fertilization um, with John and the other three Gospels. And like when I was in seminary way back when, there was a firewall between John and, and the other three Gospels. Gotcha. That they were just seen as, um, in time, so separated. And there was, some of it was literally the politics of scholarship, that people were making their careers on John being a completely independent Gospel. And so at the conferences and in the journals and books would thoroughly deride anyone who said that John had... Uh, the other gospels available to him in some form. Huh. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing to, Very to, to go behavior. and see and read John if you had a good enough understanding of uh, of, of Luke to see yeah. like or to to see what 
might be playing off in, mm-hmm. and, and but especially Matthew and Mark to see like, oh, here's some of the gaps I want to fill in on this. Yeah. Or here's the story that I want to tell that they didn't get to. Or didn't tell it well enough. Right. You know, see, it's very yeah, glossed over this part. Yeah. I'd like to delve a little bit more into this. Yeah. Be John has very few, uh, really very few stories in it. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a lot of overlap with Mark about which stories are there. Huh. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have made it into the collection of Gospels. Yeah. Very good. Well, we've rambled on long oh, enough. Way too long. <laughs> Sorry for the yeah. extra long, the, the supersized podcast. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, 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 especially, this is this this is the last podcast of the calendar year, not yeah. the church calendar year, but your, your calendar yeah. year. So it's sort of like those BBC Christmas specials. Yes, where they're, yes. They're extra long. Yes, extra wordy Just for no no. Not reason. nearly as entertaining. <laughs> No, well, this was definitely your podcast for uh, uh, December 29th, uh, 2019. Uh, quick plug uh, that we have we have church services all throughout this week. So as you listen to this, uh, there's probably a church service going on right now. <laughs> Come join us. No good. But we have a we have a uh, we have a five o'clock and an eleven o'clock on uh, Christmas Eve. We have uh, uh, the uh, Christmas morning at. 10? Yep. Okay. Christmas morning at 10. Um, uh, and uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, our Christmas service, or, or Sunday first service. Sunday service after Christmas uh, uh, next Sunday uh, at both 8 and 10. Yeah, we're not not doing any kind of combining services. There will still be 8 and 10. Yep. And, uh, but and any any other services that I'm not aware of that, uh, that we're doing in, the, in, in between? You suddenly gave me a little panic attack. I was like, am I forgetting something? <laughs> no, that's it. Come anytime you want. Yeah. Uh, 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 Bruce will conduct a private ceremony for you. Well, there are all sorts of feast days. That <laughs> there actually, are. That's why I was going yeah, through that list. That are and it was fascinating just like, to read about. Wait, which one are? I clicked on like three wrong ones until I got to the right one. So, um, but yeah, it's a, there, it's a, it's a, it's a festivist time of year. Yes. <laughs> it's great, uh, but a, but a very merry Christmas to all of our listeners and uh, and a happy New Year. Thank you so much for spending time with us, um, uh, either in person or through the the uh, the interwebs or both. <laughs> or both. Uh, 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 we're very happy that you're here. Uh, and until next year, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll have to have a fun conversation in 2020. Bye. Bye. Bye.